1: What's going on, people? Welcome to Pain Points. I'm your host, Jake Painting. As usual, this podcast is brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Tana Supers family. Today, we are coming to you live post game after a another blowout, another another Wolves blowout, not in the good way. Minnesota lose one hundred one to one hundred twenty four to the Los Angeles Clippers. Their second straight blowout um, in in the LA road trip. It was pretty ugly, so we'll, we'll go through some some good things if we can find any and, some, and you know, try and touch on all the bad things that we just witnessed. Joining me to do that today is Ball Eyes North creator, Jerry Wackles. What's going on, ma'am?
0: Not much, Jake. Just got done watching the game, so excited to recap it a little bit here.
1: Yeah, it, um, like I said, it was a pretty ugly game. It was another ugly game after that Los Angeles disaster um so what we'll start with the bad stuff I want to just finish on whatever kind of positive note we can take from tonight so you know I'll throw it to you straight away what What was the first thing that stood out to you out of the probably many things that, that were really bad tonight
0: yeah we'll we'll get in like you said we'll get into the good stuff so I'll skip straight to probably halfway through the first quarter when everything started to uh, started to go bad and and this was something i i just noted and you could just tell right away um the clippers realized there was no resistance at the at the rim when they drove in and, and talking about their offense specifically um, they realized they could pretty much get everything they wanted and and that there was no no rim resistance and that's gonna be a huge problem you know we don't think of towns as the linchpin of this defense but it's gonna be a huge problem he's he's just He's big. He's long, and he knows where to be, especially early in the in the season. And they're missing that right now.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the the size difference that just kills you inside. That was obviously another thing that I had down was that was the interior defense and just the defense as a whole, but. I think even when Nas Reed's positioning was solid in the pick and roll and he he just can't match, you know, rolling Serge Ibaka or rolling Ivata Zubic uh Zubic. Um it's just, just it doesn't help with Russell and Beasley being absolute sieves at, at the point of attack and really putting a, a ton of pressure on Nas and the other bigs to guard between two players and to try and stop the roller and the and the ball handler at the same time. Um I think Nas was really bad defensively tonight. I think in both of his starts, the last two games, he's been pretty bad defensively. Um, it's it's tough on him. He's obviously very inexperienced. He was uh, undrafted last season, uh, and he, he was never known for his defense even before then. So it's tough to him to just walk into a starting role and try and contain really good roll men and, and really good bigs in general, but he, he was pretty unaware and, and very jumpy tonight at, at pump fates and, and whatnot. Serge just absolutely baked him. But what was, was there anything else you saw on that defensive end, I guess, that that stood out in particular?
0: Yeah, and I I totally agree with, with the way Nas played, especially tonight was, was just pretty poor as far as defending the rim. But, um, you know, I can't, put it all on all on him. So the, the other thing I have written down with the defense is that the guards, and you mentioned it too, with Russell and Beasley, I mean, they couldn't stop dribble penetration. And when the Clippers are able to get into the lane, you, our whole defense started to collapse on them to make up for that lack of protection. And then obviously that's when the onslaught of three-pointers started to come because they, they were just driving and kicking and um, without being able to stop that, uh, that dribble penetration, you know, Russell and Beasley, especially, um, they were just getting, you know, getting muscled into the lane and then, and then kicks out to Beverly and Kennard. Um, you know, we really had no chance. And so it's hard to really blame Nas uh, on a lot of the, um, on a lot of the poor rim protection. He's, he wasn't great, but I honestly blame it more, I would say on the, some of the guards and perimeter defense.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, I, I'm down on Nas's defence in general, but I, I think it's that's tough to lump the entire uh blame on him, especially like you said, when, when the ball handlers can't contain, um, that leads to, to drives and it leads to open pull up threes, you know, out out of pick and roll. We saw Paul George do it multiple times. Lou Will do it multiple times where you just if you can't if that screen really just flatlines you, then um guys that are that good at shooting, really, really take advantage of that and they can just step into a three, um, especially if you're trying to under, under pick and roll under the screen. Um, Beasley, I think, especially, obviously, Russell has his problems and it's pretty well documented, but I think Beasley really struggles to fight through screens as well and, and it makes it so easy for those pull-up threes. And then when it do, when they do start to get to the rim, as you said, the the... Wolves have to help, and I think tonight they were still helping way too much off the shooters. Um, at times, maybe you just have to trust Beasley or, or Russell to get back into play. Um, it's probably not going to happen, and, and you know that puts a lot of pressure on Nas, but the, they overhelped a lot tonight. Um, that led to the Clippers shooting 16 of 31 from three, which is just bonkers, over 50%. Um, pretty pathetic performance, I think, on that end tonight from... Just, just all round. I think there was a few bright spots here and there that we'll get to later. But in general, this is what happens when you are, you know, projected to be a bottom five, bottom ten defense, and you come up against a team like the Clippers, and and you know, two nights ago you come up against a team like the Lakers. Um, these teams get hot from three and, and you know from from everywhere on the court really easily. And when they start rolling, you see some of the shots they hit. Once they start getting on a roll, the even the shots that are well-defended start to go in. And tonight we saw Paul George hitting crazy shots. We saw Kyle Kuzma hitting crazy shots against the Lakers. It's just once that confidence is high for for teams that are so good offensively already, it, it pretty much just becomes like an avalanche of, of three-point shooting. And, and tonight, that, that second and third quarter in particular, it was just uh, ugly to watch. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so one thing that I had down um, is I guess relates back to this, and I, we may as well just touch on it now because we're we're kind of on the defense. Is I think the the rebounding was really bad again tonight. I think the it finished forty six to uh, forty six to thirty nine in favor of the Clippers, which I think does the Timberwolves of some favors there, just because the the it it evened itself out a little bit at the start of the first quarter and at the in the in the fourth quarter when it was pretty much all garbage time minutes, but. I think, again, it's hard to blame Reed. He's got a six foot six wing in, in Jarrett Culver next to him, or, you know, Anthony Edwards, who, who's the same kind of height and still not a very great rebounder. Um, it it doesn't help Nas when when they're the guys who are there to help him box out and to come over the top and grab a board, but you can really see the, how stark the drop off is between Nas and Kat. Um, I think what Nas has done to his body is super commendable, and he he's definitely more athletic this season and and slimmer and and leaner than he has been. But he just doesn't have the strength or the nose for the ball, um, or or the bounce, you know, to to stop teams from feasting on the offensive glass. And I think when Minnesota were on their little hot streak to start the game, what turned the game was was the beats from the Clippers just getting put back dunks and getting put back layups when when they did force a miss. And I've said it before and I've said it on these post games and I'm sure I'll say it again that for a team that isn't good on defense, uh, when you do get a stop and you can't secure the board and and finish off the defensive possession, it it really is a a head dropper and it's a momentum smasher. Um, it, It really does hurt the team. And tonight I thought, that was another thing that that stood out to me, and, and I think it's probably going to be a problem all season.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, I 100 percent agree with the um, rebounding really started to turn the game uh, later in that first quarter, and I think I think maybe it was Dane Moore who tooted this out basically that the Clippers finally realized they had that physical advantage, and and once they realized it, then it was um, kind of kind of game over for uh, the Timberwolves bigs and. You never realize how much you miss a six foot four guard or wing, Josh Akogi went until you get. Or you never realize how much you miss his rebounding until you realize that uh, you know all the other wings on the other team are out rebounding, re- out rebounding you too. I mean he he's not gonna get twelve rebounds a game, but he he's he's physical. He boxes out and he skies for those. Kind of big rebounds and wrestles them away from some of the some of the other team's bigs. And tonight there was just no resistance for Ibaka and Zubac. You could just tell they they were having their way on the glass.
1: Yeah, and I think the it's a really good point you make about Cody. With it's not just the fact that it's not him grabbing rebounds. It's the fact that he's in there pushing dudes around. He he's moving people out the way who were three, four, five inches bigger than him. It's not about him grabbing the rebound. It's about him being able to to be a presence as a box out guy. Um, and I think Culver had eight rebounds tonight. I think, um, maybe more. I don't have the stats in front of me, but <clears throat> I think that it's Culver's more of a guy who comes over and, and grabs a rebound. He, he's not really someone who who creates rebounds for others. And that's what Josh is and you do miss him and and look, they're gonna have to figure out a way to to navigate through that because Josh looks out like a hamstring injuries are usually at least 1 to 2 weeks at their very mildest um and obviously longer for that if it's if it's a grade 2 kind of strain or if it's a grade 3 which would usually require surgery so i doubt it'll be that but uh, it's it's going to be a big problem over the next few games um they obviously don't have to verse the clippers and the lakers every night who are pretty big and physical teams but they they still need to compete on the glass and we saw last season; it was a huge problem. It was always going to be a problem this season, even with towns, just because it's a very small roster. And there, they're obviously playing really small. So, um I think Jared Vanderbilt is potentially somewhat of an answer there. He, I'll, I'll touch on him later when we get to the good stuff. So I don't want to go too far into that. But um the boards are going to be a problem. And tonight, it, it, I think, yeah, it really turned the game. It after. The first quarter, you know, after the second quarter, the game was pretty much over, so you kind of don't notice it as much after that. But when the game was there for the taking, the the rebounding really stuck out, and I think that uh, it needs to be better. It needs Nas needs to be better. Culver needs to to work harder. I think as a yeah as a box out guy, and and then the the wings didn't rebound very well tonight, which I thought was a pretty big plus in the in the first few games. You know, Beasley Beasley does work hard on the boards and. Um really gets in there and gets his nose dirty, but tonight I think that was kind of missing again like like a lot of things were
0: yeah and I think you made a good point or you mentioned it that the wolves weren't going to be a a top rebounding team this season, you know when fully healthy they they were going to sacrifice some of that by playing a little bit smaller next to towns, whether that's layman or even you know as we've seen a and and just wings at the the power forward position they were never going to be a great rebounding team, but Towns is a good defensive rebounder, a pretty good defensive rebounder, and they were going to be good enough. And obviously, with the offensive trade off you get with Towns, you know it's it's worth it. Um, to I would say it's worth it to uh, to play that way, but the whole structure crumbles then when you lose Towns because then with Reed suddenly playing a wing next to him makes you incredibly small and vulnerable. And you know, then backing up Reed and whoever plays backup power forward, it it they're just overmatched basically.
1: Yeah. So yeah, Culver. So I'm just 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 updating what I said. Culver had ten rebounds, which is the second time this season that he's had ten rebounds. So it's hard to fault him in that in that way. And obviously, when I say that he needs to be better, it's it's like I said, more uh kind of moving guys out the way, and that's never been his game. He's always struggled a little bit with. The physicality aspect, even even now, as he's clearly stronger and clearly bigger, it's still going to be a problem for him. And when you throw him in the deep end as a power forward against a big team, a team that plays, you know, Paul George is a good rebounder. Ibaka plays 22 minutes, uh, Zubax plays 19 minutes, and then you've got you know guys like Batum, who's who's tall and can rebound. Um, it's tough. And, and Reed only had three rebounds tonight. I think that's not good enough. Um, I I don't want to spend this whole podcast kind of. Bagging on Reed because it was—it it certainly wasn't him who who lost them the game tonight. Um, that that was an all-round team effort, but just like Rubio didn't have a rebound tonight, which is rare for him. Um, he's always been a really good rebounding guard. Beasley had four, which is kind of about on average for him, but they all seem to be kind of uncontested ones rather than the the get his hands in there and, and rip one away kind of rebounds that he usually has. And then you know off the bench, Ed Davis had six. I think that that's. Uh, I thought he he rebounded fairly well tonight, but then you you lose a lot offensively when when Reed's on the floor. Uh sorry, when Davis is on the floor, uh, you you lose pretty much everything offensively. He's looked like uh, a you know four on five kind of offensive player, and then Hernan Gomez had four as well. But we've all we know the the struggles that he's going through, and he was just as bad as ever I think tonight. So Lehman you know, had one. So it, it's tough that it needs to be a group rebounding performance, and tonight they got. Pretty much nothing from anyone outside of Culver, so um, that's that's something that's going to be a talking point moving forward, and it's going to be a talking point tonight because that's that was one of the the main reasons I think that they lost. They just couldn't defend inside, and then they couldn't uh, finish off defensive possessions so that they did win with a rebound. Um, so. What what else you know? What else did you have down? What what other bad things? I know there's probably a hundred bad things, so we could probably spend you know a couple of hours talking about the bad things of tonight. But but what stood out to you the most? Um,
0: uh, Unfortunately, it was uh, one of our favorites, Uh, Jarrett Culver's offense. Just overall uh, was uh, pretty pretty abysmal, which is disappointing for a guy who showed so much confidence and and skill the first two games. Obviously, the Lakers game was rough one for. For everybody, and, and you hoped maybe you could throw that one out, but um, it seems that carried over into this game. O of 10 overall and O of 3 from the three-point line um, for obviously zero points. Uh, like you said, he did have those 10 rebounds, and four of them were uh, offensive. But it, that same lack of confidence shooting from deep and then just kind of the timidness around the rim, you could just tell that was... Uh, that was kind of creeping back in, so that was that was discouraging to see.
1: Yeah, uh, that I had that down as well, and he he just looks completely snake bit again, doesn't he? He's it's obviously two tough games against two great defensive teams. Maybe you know on their day the best two defensive teams in the league, but it's just disappointing to think that that preseason and the first two regular seasons games, uh, regular season games, were potentially just a mirage, like. Like it always is with him, it starts and ends with the confidence. Um, you can see it evaporate right before your eyes, kind of when, when you're watching him. And, and when it does, it, it's really hard to remember what he actually does well on that end. And, and we know that he can do things well on that end because when he's playing with that confidence, he, he's driving to the rim, his touch looks better around the rim. The three point shot is, is I think Dame, Dame Moore again, I think he tweeted this out. It's it's clearly, the, the mechanics clearly, look smoother and look more confident when he is, um, you know, playing at his best and kind of uh, brimming with confidence. And then when he doesn't, it starts to look a bit clunky again and, and you feel like it's never going to fall ever again and touch around the rim looks really bad. He just, he had those two layups uh, maybe in the second quarter where he got the got a nice feed, missed missed the layup, got the ball back, missed it again, and it was just kind of, uh, yeah, pretty disheartening to see, just because the culver of three games ago would have would have swallowed those up easily. And then when he has the ball, he he just kind of just seems really indecisive now. Uh, all these last two games, um, he doesn't know whether he wants to drive, whether he wants to get find a shot for himself, pass to someone else. It's all just very reminiscent of last season. And for his sake, I really hope that. You know the Wizards game is kind of a, a reprieve, and and he can get himself going a little bit there, and maybe this was just a a really tough uh, Los Angeles road trip for him that that he couldn't get anything going, and he can get back to the the guy who was progressing on a really nice path a, as we move forward. But for him, as we both said, it's it's the confidence, and he seems to really have a problem with keeping that confidence high even when he doesn't play well. You look at someone like Anthony Edwards who can miss 10 shots in a row and then, you know, shoot a step back three the next play and hit it and you kind of feel like that confidence never leaves his body. Where Culver seems to get down on himself, it's it's not kind of really obvious in his body language, but just in the way that he plays, he starts to get tentative and, and he really doesn't know. It seems like he doesn't know what he's doing when when things aren't going well for him and and I just really hope that he he can get that back and get the sense of you know whether he's playing well or not to just keep doing those things that that got him there in the first place
0: do you think his maybe uh, timidness or um lack of it just seemed like he didn't know exactly where he was supposed to be or, or what he was supposed to do on offense for the first um you know, the first stretch of the game when he was mostly playing, I would say playing the four on offense. Um, Do you think it had anything to do with the fact that he, it doesn't seem like he's been playing a whole lot of four on offense so far, and he's been more of a wing guard uh, type of player so far? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think it, it certainly would factor in like, especially with a guy who, who has those confidence issues. It's probably not, it's probably fairly unfair to him, I guess, to, to throw him in the deep end, a new position against big guys, um, you know, coming straight off his worst game of the season and, and and a game that was really fraught with danger kind of for for collapsing that confidence that he built through the first five games, including the preseason. So I think it certainly plays a role. Um, but then again, I don't think the the Timberwolves' powerful position does that much different to the Timberwolves' small forward position, you know, like it's not like they're, he was banging on the block or... I think defensively, you know, some things changed, but even then, he was guarding Paul George, and you know that's what he would have been doing if he was playing the two or the three. Um, and to his credit, he 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 was good defensively tonight. He was one of the few guys I think who who was really you know competing. And George got off the chain a little bit towards the the you know end of the second and the and the third quarter. And Paul George will do that to to any defender, you know, that especially a the sophomore who's. Uh, never really played big minutes in his whole career, but yeah, I think I think there's probably a point to be made that you know the one you're making that even with you know similar roles, it's still some something a little bit different, and maybe a little bit different was a, a little bit too much for him when he's coming off a pretty average showing in, in against the Lakers. Um, th- there was the one thing. I I wanted to point out one more thing. So obviously I had Culver there as well. I think that was to me the the biggest thing that stood out just because I I'm really rooting for Jared Culver and, and I think that when he was playing good and when he was playing confidently, um the ceiling of this chain of this team changes pretty dramatically. Um and, and I I spoke about that on, on the last podcast or the podcast before, I can't remember, but you know, you have to alter your projections with this team if you have a, a really good culver and a really good Anthony Edwards and I want him to get back to that because I know he, he can and I think that it's, it's more just in between the years with him but the last thing that, that stood out to me is is D'Angelo Russell's quiet stretches um, and I think maybe unlike a lot of those listening um, the isolation possessions that D'Angelo Russell has throughout a game don't really grate my cheese too much like obviously you know too many of those is hurtful but without Towns I think you need them at times and you need to take the the ones that miss with the ones that that make you know and this team has no real shot creators if you don't let him be one uh, Beasley obviously is aggressive he can he can get his own shot off but but it's kind of always coming off a screen or you know round round the uh, pick kind of off the ball um or cutting to the rim just kind of you know back cuts and whatnot but they don't have a guy who can just create his own shot. They have Garantony the towns and he can do it for fifty percent of the time that he's out there and you've definitely survived those minutes. In fact, you probably win those minutes on offense. Um and but Russell Russell's the other guy, and Russell's clearly better as a second option where he doesn't have to do that all the time. But when there's no towns there, he has to do some of that and and you know, I I'm fine with that. I know a lot of people aren't, especially, you know, judging by the the twitter discourse tonight um a lot of people don't like it and i do understand that it's it can be frustrating when he dribbles around for for 15 seconds and then throws up a three but but he makes those shots and you know it's better than jake layman shooting a three or it's better than juan johan and gomez shooting a three um that being said what does bother me is the five 10 minute stretches where he he kind of goes completely missing um And in the last few games, you know, tonight he had a stretch in the second quarter, and that's kind of where the game virtually fell apart. And then it was pretty much the whole game against the Lakers. He just kind of seemed like he wasn't there at all. Um, And you can, like we tried, like you said with Colbert, you can throw the the Lakers game in the bin maybe, but uh, I thought tonight the second quarter was just not good enough from Russell. Um, Look, the defense is bad. His defense is bad. We know that. We knew that before the season. We knew that before this horrid little stretch of games kicked off um but he needs to be aggressive offensively because that's where he is good and he needs to take the reins for the entirety of games um without towns they just don't have enough offensive talent to survive without him doing that and and to his credit he came out after the halftime break pretty aggressive he hit a few threes he he you know had a few of those isolation positions that that people don't like but he was he was trying to to be the man for the team and that's all they need him to do um he can't do more than you know he still said it is his skill set and he needs to play to those strengths, but um completely clitting on your team when they're down big would have been unacceptable, and that's that is what I think he did against the Lakers so I just think that you, you can't have those stretches that he had in the second quarter where you just kind of meander around you know pass the ball when you get it don't don't attempt many shots, and when you do attempt a shot, it kind of is just like a throw it up you know don't really try to to make it a good shot if that makes sense and I just feel like that's something he's adjusting to with with other players who still want their share of the sugar on the team um but yeah the the responsibility is on Russell now and he needs to come out with an aggressive mindset every game for the entirety of games. That's not always shooting and, you know, it is going to be passing and try and get to the rim and, and playing better defense. But I don't think there can be any five-minute, ten-minute stretches where he doesn't shoot the ball three, four times. You know, like they, they need that from him. They need him to replace what he can from Towns's, you know usage and, and that's impossible to do so at Towns' level. But he, he can't kind of not try.
0: Yeah, uh, agreed, and and I I agree with what you said. Where, um, I, yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't bother me when D'Angelo Russell goes one on one and makes up his mind that he's gonna get his shot. That's, you know, that you take the good with the bad with an isolation score, and and he's the one we have right now. So uh, I'll take him. You know, shooting a rainbow three pointer, uh, because he's shown he can he can make those, and and a lot of times those are big momentum swingers when he does make them. Um. But I agree that the disappearing is, is tough to stomach because it, the, probably what compounds disappearing on offense is it seems to tie in with a lack of activity on defense as well. Um, when he's, and I don't know which one feeds the other one necessarily, but uh, it seems like when he's starting to get it going on offense and getting his shots, or at least he's, he's involving himself uh, in the actions and in the offense, he that correlates with him playing active and effortful defense. Um, whereas, like you said, those stretches when you see him just kind of meandering around on offense, it's a good chance he's also meandering around on defense as well, and maybe losing his guy off the ball or uh, not quite getting through screens uh, when his guy has the ball. And, and so I agree that, especially with towns out, all of those moments are magnified and you're no longer the number two that can get away with that you're you're the number one and um, he's got to be the offensive hub and at least solid on defense and uh, we've just seen too long of stretches in the last two games where that's just not the case
1: yeah and to your point it's it's kind of the the magnified version of the Juan and Gomez issue is that if he's not doing that those things offensively if he's not involving himself if he's not at least attempting shots, and, and when he does attempt shots, he's he does make them. He can make any shots. so that's kind of the the reason why you give him a little pass as an, as an isolation scorer and as a guy who who puts up some bad shots because he makes those shots, and they, he's made a living making those shots throughout his whole career. But if he's not doing that, then he's just a guy who doesn't play any defense, and like he there's no there's no reason for him to be on the court if he's not kind of. Keeping your offense afloat, or at least doing his best to do so. Obviously, he's gonna have bad nights. He's gonna have, as an isolation scorer, he's gonna have nights where he can't, you know, those shots don't fall, and where it 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 looks pretty ugly. But I'd rather those, you know, you know, four or fifteen nights than nights where it's two of ten. Like you'd rather him shoot those extra five shots because he needs he needs to be there. He, the only chance they have to win is for him to have a good night or to have at least a night where he's aggressive and where he's he's drawing the attention of the defense and then he can start to get use his passing. I still think he's a, a pretty good passer. I think he, he's, for an isolation scorer, I don't think he's a guy who's never looking to pass and to find open guys, especially cutters. Um, and I think he had some really nice looks tonight. But yeah, if he's not hitting shots or at least attempting shots, he's just a negative on defense and a negative on offense. And then you have to look... In another direction for someone who can who can give you a bit more, and that's not what you. I'm sure that's not what Gerson Rosas and, and Ryan Saunders envisioned when they uh, kind of crowned him as the the second franchise centerpiece. Um, and, and like I said, I got to give him credit for coming out and doing that in the second half. He the game was over, um, and he could have went into Lakers mode where he kind of just. Um, you know gave up I guess and 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 let the game unfold but he did try that is that little stretch in the third quarter where he kind of got them not back into it at all but back on the you know without you know they he stopped them from losing by 45 and instead they end up losing by 20 odd which is still pretty flattering to the team but yeah I think going forward I'll be looking for more from Russell and I'm sure the coaching staff will I'm sure he Knows this, and especially against the Wizards in the next game, that's the game obviously that that they got to win. Or they kind of they they cannot get blown out by the Wizards. It's just like the the sky will fall in Timball's fandom if if that happens. So next game, I think you need to. See, I want to see Russell shoot 20, 25 shots, and and maybe people who are frustrated right now after that game and and really hate that isolation scorer mentality um, are kind of cursing at me for saying that. But I think that's how you. That's how you win games. Um, right now is you you've got to let your best players, you know, shoot shots. And this team doesn't have enough offensive firepower without towns to, um, kind of bury Russell as a as a scorer.
0: Yep, absolutely. I I agree. That uh, people may not want to hear it, but yeah, we need more, not not less, from Russell. Because, um, if the more he can get himself going, um, the more things can open up a little bit for some of the other guys that uh, need a little more help getting their shots. so yeah i totally agree this next game especially against a, a, a similarly poor defense um he should be able to get himself going and in turn then get his teammates going
1: get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Right, so did you have any other other bad notes you wanted to hit on before we kind of finish this off with a little bit of cheer?
0: um there's there's a lot of them and I think they're all kind of tied to similar issues so I didn't I didn't have anything else that's that's super specific written down
1: yeah I, I think you're spot on there is kind of if you hit on the offense you know the the lack of ball you know the lack of ball movement which which wasn't on on Russell altogether I think there's times where he does need to move the ball more like we just said but Offensively, I think they were just a little bit disjointed again without towns, and then you know that comes from Colver not being out of hit shots. That comes from you know Ed Davis clogging the lane. it comes from from Russell not being aggressive enough, like all that stuff stems from one another, and then the same thing defensively it all stems from from point of attack defense that makes the big the bigs look bad. the bigs looking bad, you know makes the the guys who are off the ball look worse as they need to come and help like it all just ties together, and tonight it was just a Pretty much a shit show, um, you know, in both on both accounts, offensively and defensively. So let's let's put a little bit of that behind us. I know that that if you're listening, you're probably not feeling a lot of optimism right now, but uh I think I think the place to start is probably Jared Vanderbilt, right? Like what what were your thoughts on him? He was clearly the, the bright spot for me tonight. So did is that what you had down or is he one of the, the things you had down?
0: Absolutely, he, he was one of the things. I always love a chance to to watch Jared Vanderbilt play, and and I actually um, early probably right at the beginning of training camp, one of my I wrote a little something that Van, Vanderbilt could be the right type of um, you know rotation big to help this team and kind of cover up some of the weaknesses in the size and athleticism for um, for a backup big or or even a even a starting power forward. And so it was great to see him get a little run against the Lakers and fill up the stat sheet a little bit. And then um, he really kind of showed out tonight. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now with four of five shooting, nine points, uh, three offensive rebounds, three defensive, uh, an assist, a steal, a block in only 16 minutes. I mean, he's nonstop energy and uh, he's he's bigger and, and longer and more athletic than I guess I ever even really thought, or at least he, I don't know about bigger, I guess, but he's definitely more athletic and longer than, than I ever thought. Um, you know, if, if, if I really thought that, um, even though it was more against the, uh, more of his minutes were against kind of the deep bench of the Clippers, uh, I thought he was clearly one of the best players out there when, when it, those deep bench lineups were in. What, what did you think of the way Vanderbilt showed himself?
1: Yeah, well, you know, if you've listened to this show or you've kind of followed me follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm a massive Vanderbilt guy and tonight, I guess, was kind of like a, a microcosm of why I'm a big fan of him. Um, there was, like you said, a, a good chunk of those minutes that he played um, was was kind of end-of-game garbage time. And, and these games are tough to decipher what's garbage time and what's not because even in the third quarter, you, you know, you probably... Looking at a little bit of garbagey type of minutes, but there there was a chunk of those 15, 16 minutes that he played that weren't complete end of game garbage time minutes, and I think he was one of the the few guys who showed an interest in doing you know all out energy, and and that's pretty much his mo. That's been his mo for his entire you know prep to pro career. He's he's an elite rebounder, um, elite second jumper, which is, which is. Super important to this team with Towns out. Like we discussed, the rebounding is an issue, um, and I think that to be honest, I think he's earned himself rotation minutes. Next game, I think he probably replaces Ed Davis in, in the rotation. If not, you know, Wancho or, or Layman or you know, I I think I think he's better. I don't. I think Nas Reed in a vacuum is is a better player than him. But I think that with Towns out, he's probably the the big on the team that fits what they need to do the most, what they need to cover. Um, I don't think you need Nas to be, you know, cat light as much as you need Jerry Vanderbilt to be out there grabbing boards, com- competing on defense, flying around everywhere, kind of just putting everything into everything he does. Um. He he was active defensively, even if sometimes it's kind of misplaced and and inexperienced activity. Um, you can see how quickly he he moves his feet and how quickly he gets off the ground to contest shots with that that jump that I just spoke about. I think he wants to defend right, and that's that's half the battle with this team sometimes. And so I I loved his his minutes tonight. I think that yeah that he has a case for being the the best player for the Timberwolves in sixteen minutes. So it's Maybe an indictment on everyone else a little bit, but I thought that he, I think Jim Pete said it on the broadcast, he he looks like a guy who's fighting for a spot. He looks like a guy who's, who wants minutes and he wants to take minutes off someone else. And tonight I thought he did that. I thought, I think he will take minutes off someone else and I expect him to play 15 minutes again next game. I hope he does. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think he almost has to, right? You can't look at what he's done the last two games and especially tonight and then Line him up against, you know, you know, line his production and his effort up against Wancho and and Lehman and say and say that those guys should still continue to get their regular minutes over him. It's it's you know it it just would kind of seem uh, a little ridiculous to, to think about it that way. Um, it, I think the, the things of, for him that give me the most hope, you know, he, he's going to be out of place on defense sometimes. He's this kind of that overactive. Uh, you know, overactive or hyperactive defender, uh, which can be good and bad, but on offense, he moves the ball, and, and Jim Peterson said it both ga- these last two games that Vanderbilt has been in that his high school coach compares him to Ben Simmons, which is, you know, he's not Ben Simmons. He's never probably going to be Ben Simmons, but the, the point kind of s- is hidden in there that he knows how to pass the ball. He knows where his teammates are going to be uh, and he he makes quick decisions and and that's that's kind of an underrated skill for a young energetic big man there's not a lot of guys like there's not a lot of guys that have his skill package essentially um so i would be sh- kind of shocked if he didn't get some rotation minutes over the next couple of games and I I'm I think I'm on the the Vanderbilt bandwagon with you. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to <laughs> hoping to see him continue to at least just give this 110 percent effort, and good things are going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's tough because obviously they want three point shooting out there, and that's why they've persisted with Wancho, and that's why they persist with Lehman, and and those guys you know can't hit the the broadside of a barn door at the moment, but they they are. Historically, guys who can shoot the ball, or at least make you know a third of their three-point shots, where Vanderbilt isn't that guy. Um, he he shot more in the G League last season. I think he shot around 25% on maybe like two a game. So it, it's it's coming along, but it's not. He's not going to shoot threes at, at the NBA level, and that's why I think that the the regional, you know, the the logical explanation or logical replacement is is Ed Davis. Um, because Ed Davis is not going to do that either. And you, when you compare, when you, when you line those two up, like Ed Davis is a, a fairly good rebounder. He looks pretty much, and, and I don't want to be harsh in this, but like fairly washed, you know, offensively and just as am in, as with his movement capabilities. Um, he's an older dude and adjusting to a new, a new system is tough, but he, he really is kind of the, the outcast in this system at the moment. And I think with Vanderbilt, you at least, you know, you substitute that three point shooting, um, that that Layman and Wancho give you for for all out energy defensively, all out energy on the boards. He he was so good on the boards tonight and you know, like the even the ones he didn't get, even the ones that were defensive rebounds for the Clippers, he was there and he was fighting and he was jumping over dudes and trying to get a hand on everything and that's that's what you need. And then he can he can pass, like you said. He's He's was more of a you know he at times he's been a small forward kind of in the G League and and at you know high school level like he can dribble the ball he's not gonna take guys off the dribble or or run pick and rolls but he can he can straight line drive he had that straight line drive for a bucket um just not long after he checked in where he kind of took the big off the bounce and got all the way to the rim um that's the stuff he can do pretty regularly if he can finish at the rim which he he did tonight but he has struggled with. Um, in, in his Denver, you know, in the small minutes we've seen in Denver and, and even against uh, the Lakers the other night, he does have uh, troubles at times finishing the rim. But if he can run the floor, you know, pass at the top of the key and kind of play that that Towns 5-out, you know, passer, even though he's not the, the same shooter, I think that's production. And, and right now you just need to search in different places for for weird kinds of production because when you lose your best player and the the foundation of your offense and, and I guess what we're seeing in the foundation of your defence, um, in Cal Towns, you need to start to get a little bit weird. And I do I do commend Saunders tonight for at least getting a little bit weird with the, the starting lineup. Um it did, obviously didn't work overly well, especially with Culver having a stinker, but I think uh it's that's the kind of stuff you need to do. If you if you're Saunders is you need to find ways to get production and find ways to get a little bit funky because uh, things could get ugly if you don't. Um, so the last thing, you know, that I had, I only had two thing, good things offensively, uh, good things, you know, from the game. Um, and I think, you know, outside of Vanderbilt, maybe I was just searching for a good thing or two because nothing really stood out to me. But I think a, a nice little Ricky Rubio sighting was, um, you know, worth a mention before we before we get out of here and leave this. Pretty sour, you know. Game behind us. It it will be buried because of the massacre of a score line. But this was the first good Rubio game that we've seen so far. Uh, Seventeen points and five assists on six of eight shooting, two or three from long range. Uh, just twenty six minutes. I thought he picked his spots much better on offense. Uh, I thought he'd been a bit over aggressive and pushing a little too hard at times throughout the first three games. I didn't think he did that tonight. I uh, thought he was one of the few Wolves who actually seemed to give a damn about fighting through screens and, and impacting the game defensively which is, you know, a Rubio staple throughout his career and then yeah, I, I it was always going to take some time for Ricky to get acclimated with this team and he's always been much better as a starter in Utah and Phoenix and I think maybe that gave him a little bit of an energy boost just, just being the starter. He's not a guy who's ever going to complain, I don't think, you know, about not being a starter or, or not playing big minutes but I think you can see that his confidence kind of gets a little a little boost when he is a starter and when he gets the, the responsibility from the coach and he gets to run the offense with good players around him. Um, I just think it's pretty important that he becomes an effective player in this system, uh, especially if the Wolves want to sneak into that playing game or, you know, God forbid, the playoffs. Um, hope So hopefully that continues. and And, you know, I'm a big Ricky Rubio fan. So just seeing him have a good night was kind of a, a little bit of a a positive note on what was a pretty crappy night.
0: Yeah, and and that's I so I didn't have like my note on Rubio being good actually had to do with the starting lineup. I wrote this down when they took a 16 to 7 lead uh, because I thought great start. This is definitely uh something I should I should note. I do, think and him he and Russell
1: sh- looked really good in those first ten minutes or so. Him and Russell really looked synergized, yep. and and you can see what the two ball handlers does to a team when they're when they're playing well. But that kind of didn't last too long.
0: And and I think that he, I think Rubio should continue to be in the starting lineup now. I think they've got they've got something um, with with that Rubio Dilo pairing. And um, I think one of the mistakes of the Lakers game was. Um, I mean, D'Angelo Russell is an isolation scorer, but if there's not a whole lot uh, as far as offensive structure around him, you know, a good defense like the Lakers is, is, is going to be nearly impossible to get good shots after good shots uh, from. And so tonight, shifting Rubio in against a good defense, I think allowed Rubio to organize the offense and allowed Russell to focus on being that scorer. And it really seemed to give him a boost right off the bat. Um, Things are just organized and structured when Rubio is on the floor. We know that from his first tenure with Minnesota, the offense just always looked more aesthetically pleasing, and it just seemed to produce a little more. Um, And so you could definitely tell in the starting lineup tonight, they got out to an early lead, um, and obviously everything crumbled from there. So uh, I agree, Rubio was, was awesome you know even if he doesn't shoot like that every night which he probably won't um, it's just having him in the that starting unit to keep things moving keep things organized and and really just keep keep the spirits up keep guys together because they're going to need that type of leadership uh, as they go over these next few games
1: yeah that's a brilliant point i think about the the maximizing russell's you know scoring capabilities is a lot more palatable when Rubio is out there with him, just because then you do get that that playmaker and the guy who's going to get good shots for everyone else. You get that out there, and you have to blend it in with with Russell's kind of one on one shot making, and I guess uh, for lack of a better term, kind of you know ball hogging. I know I, I I don't think Russell's a ball hog, but I think when he's when he's in a zone, you know he he's he's in a zone and he's not trying to get anyone else in a zone. He's trying to stay in his own zone. And I think that's, that works a lot better when you have Rubio out there with him and then Rubio can get other guys in their zone and Rubio will never worry about kind of getting in his zone himself. When he does, it's, it's a bonus, but Rubio's always a guy who's going to go out there and try and make others better. And that's probably the big knock on Russell, you know, if you are one of them people sitting at home listening to this who, who don't agree with us on the isolation possessions being warranted. Um, You know that's the knock is that he's not making others better. So so putting Rubio next to him at least gives you the best of both worlds. And I think we will see it. I think I think that starting lineup won't get scrapped immediately just because they had a they you know dropped a a dud tonight. Um, I think you'll see that in the Washington game. Um, I think Edwards you know is pushing you know ever closer to being a starter himself. We we didn't I didn't have Edwards down, but I think that he probably deserves a mention just again, came straight off the bench and, and, you know, smacked Los Angeles in the face with energy. And when he start, when he hit that step back three, you know, I was off my seat and I think I got back off my seat once more after that. But um, Edwards, you know, whether it's Edwards or Culver as the starter or, or you know, what they do at that powerful position, I think that you need to to keep Rubio and Russell together as much as possible uh, and and let that offense kind of run through two players rather than just the one. Yeah, and
0: and I did have Edwards down as as a positive, it's it's a relatively positive note. Uh I mean, he was 4 for 7 on threes and he takes difficult three-pointers which I think we all kind of knew from the scouting at at Georgia, uh but we maybe thought he wouldn't need to take as many here. It seems like he still he still does, but you can't really deny, like you mentioned earlier, you can't really deny his confidence in himself to make every shot he's going to take, and um, it seems seems to work all right. I mean, the Lakers game obviously was ugly, second night of a back to back. It didn't really seem like anyone had their legs, but uh, tonight he was four for seven on threes. Um, my the, my issue, obviously, with with his game, a lot of people probably saw it. he didn't he didn't make a two point shot. And he only attempted three two pointers, which you know you would like to see him get to the rim, but uh, the Clippers. And I'm couldn't... not sure, and
1: I'm not sure he really got to the rim at all tonight, which is probably no. a negative. I'm not, I'm not sure even those two point shots were, were shots of the rim, and and some of that, like you were about to say, I think is the Clippers being a really good team who packs the paint defensively yep. and, and makes you beat them with jump shots, and
0: and, and they um, they play for for most of the game. Obviously, the, the there was garbage time, but. In a full 48-minute game, they would play Ibaka and Zubac as their uh, as their, their centers, and those guys are, are great, not just good, great rim protectors. Uh, and so I totally understand him not just, it's not a, not a layup line, but, I mean, he attacked Rudy Gobert a couple nights ago, so I uh, would have liked to see that a little more, but um, just his difficult shot making, it does give you kind of those hints of, uh, of some other, you know, some other great guards in this league that are just able to get any shot anytime they want and and have the confidence that they can hit it so it was it was good to see um and and he did have a few you know he still displays that that playmaking ability he did get into the lane a couple times he gets the defender on his back and as the defense collapses he uh, he dishes it out uh, to the to the perimeter and I don't think uh we hit any of those shots but uh, he did it a few times and I just like to continue to see those good decisions that he makes as long as there's some of those good decisions mixed in with his bad decisions um, or his, his inefficient decisions, we'll say. Um, so I, I would say I was generally encouraged by Edwards. Just the, the difficult shot making is it's kind of off the charts with him.
1: Yeah. And that, that's the stuff that you can't teach, right? Like you can, you can kind of, you know unless we're talking andrew wiggins here which i'm so goddamn sick of that comparison but like you can kind of you can see that he that he's a good rim attacker and sometimes he's going to get a little bit jump shot happy but like that that'll come as he learns to to navigate his way into the paint and to get you know more open layups actually now that i'm thinking back i think he did get one layup attempt tonight and had a blocked off the backboard so that kind of you know, was how that night, how this night went in general. But it's, yeah, like you said, it's that difficult shot making, the shot creation, like that's the stuff that that really good lead guards and really good wings have in this league. Um And that's the stuff, you know, you can be a spot-up three-point shooter and, and kind of be a good player, but you can never be a star unless you can create your own shot consistently off the dribble and create space for yourself. And he has that already in, in spades. That step-back three-pointer, you know, like, that's a that's a vet move. That's a scorers you know move, and it's good to see that. And he he'll learn to pick his spots. I think that it's it's probably a positive that we're what four games into the season. I've I've done three uh, you know post game podcasts. I I wasn't around last time to kind of get one in, but I think all three of them he's been on the good side of things, Edwards. And if you can say that about a rookie, you know who who we had who had a lot of question marks about his game coming out of college uh then I think he's he i think he's outperforming expectations even with a few rough moments here and there yep definitely um all right well that's that's too much good stuff we, tonight was not good enough <laughs> Tonight was not it good enough to yeah to talk about um how good you know good things are the game so uh thanks for joining me again tonight man um it's always a good chat and yeah hopefully we can um you know be a bit happier after the wizard's game it's I, I won't be around for a post gamer for probably i think two or three games and then it might not be actually for a while just because i have you know i start work up again and, and obviously i'm on the other side of the world so so getting podcasts in kind of is hard but I'll, I'll make something work and i'll definitely keep you know keep bringing you guys content i've I've got you know a lot of good reviews and i appreciate that so much from everyone so I'm going to keep trying hard to, to get these out, but yeah, Jerry, thanks again for joining me, man. And um, yeah, hopefully next time we talk, it's, it's a bit better.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for having me on Jake.
1: And um, yeah, everyone go and follow Jerry. Go and follow, follow ball Lies North on, on Twitter. It's just at ball Lies North. He, as I've said before, pumps out a lot of great content and, and kind of keeps you in the loop on, on all the content from all the Timberwolves sites. So, you know, as well as original stuff from him. So, Go and follow that, and um, yeah, I'll see all you guys when I see you.